KYA, from great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to updates on the latest in on-screen adaptations, KYA is a bi-weekly podcast here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. KYA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith. We're recording on Thursday, May 10th, 2018. How's it going? Hello. Things are good. How are you? Good, good. I um, I have been blowing through books again. So like, I go through these phases where it'll take me, you know, a week or more to get through a book, which for most readers sounds ridiculous, but, um, you know, I... I read a lot. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a fast reader, but just I, I read a lot. So like one book a week feels slow to me. But uh, in the last two days, I finished like two and a half books. Um, so I, I'm back in the cycle of like <laughs> reading really quickly. And um, I finished this week The Disturbed Girls Dictionary by Nonika Ramos. Uh, which yeah, came I remember out you like- talking about that. Yeah, it's it's a debut. It just came out in February, maybe March. Um it's told in the style of a memoir written as a dictionary from uh, the point of view of a girl named Macy, who is, um, she calls herself a disturbed girl. And and throughout, you sort of get this picture why she, um, she has a lot of home life challenges and she has this best friend who she's struggling to like connect with. And uh, the story really looks at sort of her feeling like she needs this friendship like how important this friendship is to her because her home life is so difficult um her mom is with new men all the time her dad is in jail and her little brother has been put into foster care because of the family situation so uh for macy her friendship is really important but the thing is macy is so obsessed with this friendship that she overlooks that her friend is dealing with some really terrible things herself and so her friend's pulling away to like try to deal with her own stuff and uh, when Macy sort of discovers what's going on she has to step in and help her friend and does so in a really um, tragic and heartbreaking way um, but in a way that makes sense for who she is as a character and um, it's just it was a really fascinating book really different dark um, and the kind of book that people who don't like um, animal Issues, you know, animal torture, mm-hmm. animal death, um, would want to skip because there's a couple scenes in there. They make perfect sense in the narrative and for Macy's story. So it's not like it's gratuitous, but um, difficult to read. Oh. Uh, but yeah, well, it was really, really good, though. Um, <laughs> for a debut novel, I was super impressed. And I thought that readers who like Tiffany D. Jackson's books, um, mm-hmm. especially the one that's coming out, Monday's Not Coming, will love this book. Um, so it came out. Yeah, just a couple months ago, and I haven't seen too much talk about it, so I hope more people pick it up, especially those who like their, like, raw, dark, challenging um, books with really compelling, though not necessarily likable, main characters. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. When you when you mentioned the, the animal torture stuff, I, that might, might be hard for me. I remember, um, I don't know if you, you heard of the book Talker 25. It came out uh, like four years ago. It's like this really weird sci-fi fantasy mashup where like dragons come out of the war out oh, of the yeah, earth yeah. like yeah. It's, biz- it's bizarre but it's really good uh and like no one read it and it's a shame but i because i love it um but that book features like some really brutal torture of the dragons and Ooh. even these like oh my god even these like made up ca- made up monsters i was like 
I like wrestled with it a lot. There were a couple of times I was like, I might need to put this down. Um, yeah. But I kept I'm always, this. I'm always cautious about, um, and it's just because I'm an animal person. I'm always cautious about animal stuff like that. Like, um, I don't like reading it, but um, I can appreciate when it's in there and it makes sense for yeah. what the story's doing. Um, you know, sometimes it feels like an animal dies for the plot to progress. Mm-hmm. And you're like, really, that didn't need to happen. Um, it made perfect sense here. It doesn't make it easy to read. But um, in context of the story, it 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 makes sense and it adds to sort of the situation Macy's life is in and why she chooses to act the way she does. So, um you know, it's just one of those things like to go in kind of kind of prepared that it's going to happen. So you're not taken, um, mm-hmm. taken off track by it. But, um, you know, it's it's one of those challenging things because, yeah, I, I don't like reading it either. But, um, <laughs> yeah, um, on a lighter note, I guess. Well, no, this isn't really lighter either. <laughs> the uh, the other book I read this week, I just finished it this morning, was Bloodwater Paint by Joy McCullough. I think you. Ooh, yes. Yeah, you had read it and raved about it. Um, I thought it would be perfect for readers who love Ruta Cepeda's work, like her historical fiction. I feel like this really sort of had that same feel to it. And it was written in verse with um, a couple interspersed, more than a couple, a few interspersed like short chapters that are backstory um, that tie into the first portion of the novel. Um, It's historical, but what was really cool is it's uh, super contemporary about women and about the patriarchy, about the ways women do and don't have a voice even when they speak. And um, yeah, I, you know, a lot of people told me I would love it. And so whenever that happens, I get a little skeptical. I'm like, oh, Mm. I'm going to hold off on reading it. Um, I don't want to disappoint anybody. Right. Um, And also just like the weight of expectation to, to like the thing. And then I loved it. So um, that was so glad I read it. I read it in like no time because um, as soon as I sat down, I was like, I have to get through it. I have to know what happens. I have to know the story. So, um, Eric, though, tell me about your week. You had a big week. And uh, in addition to telling me about your big news, uh, tell me what you've been reading this week, if anything. Yes. Oh, man, I am on the spot. So, yeah, <laughs> I had a book come out. Uh, it's called The Girl in the Grove. It came out with Flux Books. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a YA novel about an adopted teen who hears voices coming from uh, the city park, which is uh, Fairmount Park in Philadelphia. Um, and she sort of dis- she discovers her um, her biological origins might be magical, and they might be emanating from this uh, hidden grove in uh, in the big city park. Um, it's a little bit like Far from the Tree, uh, mashed up with Fern Gully. I think is maybe mm. the best way to describe it. So it's adoption with trees that are magic um, is, is the best way to uh, to sum it up. And yeah, it's it's out now. It's uh. I'm, I can't believe it's here. <laughs> and then, uh, let's see, things that I'm reading. Um, oh, my goodness. So I got sent an early copy of Contagion by Aaron Bowman, which, like, is easily one of my most anticipated reads of the year. Every Everything I've heard about it, I've just been, like, screaming to get an early copy. Um <laughs> And, like, maybe there's something inside me that's, like, broken, but I just love stories about deadly plagues and viruses. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. Um. <laughs> I, 
I'm listening to um, an audiobook right now. It's an adult audiobook called um, Get Well Soon. And I think the author is Jennifer Wright. And it's all about deadly plagues, plagues through history. Like What a real great plague. title. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. So uh, I feel you there. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. I can't – like, I love it when it's in video games, when there's, like, a movie with a new, like, Outbreak-style movie. I need to watch it. Um, and this one's even better because it's in space. What? Um, there's there's no getting away. Um, the tagline is light years. Uh, no, the tagline is help is light years away. You know, I don't know why I'm like this, but I like, I needed to read it. Um, so the book is basically about a teen who's on this crew that's on a rescue mission, and uh, they find this abandoned site on a planet where everyone's dead, and there's all this. Uh, it, it's very. Um, it's like the movie Outbreak, but with aliens, basically. Um, Ooh. And I really don't know how Erin does it. Like she jumps genres. Like this, um, like I know her first series, Taken, was very, um, you know, it was it was very YA sci-fi esque. Um, but the other books that she had just come out, the um, oh no, what are, uh, the Vengeance Bound books, you know, they were in the Wild West. It was very mm-hmm. True Grit esque, right down to how like the prose was written. Um, and now here we are, back in back in space. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm loving it. Uh, it's out in July, and uh, yeah, people uh, definitely watch out for it. Um, oh, and I also haven't read this yet, but I have to share the story. So uh, <laughs> my wife was reading Finding Yvonne by Brandy Colbert. Um, it's She's a favorite author in her house, uh, or in our house. And uh, I'm sitting there at my computer doing some work, and I hear her gasp. And she's just like, oh my god, from the living room. And I come running because, hello, we have a baby. So you... <laughs> You say that, and I, I immediately I think, oh god, something bad just happened. Um, and then I get in there, and she goes, oh no, I'm just reading Brandy's new book, and she's sitting there on the couch reading the book, and the baby is laughing, and everything's fine. So uh, that's, I guess, her unofficial review is that there are <laughs> there are lots of gasps that will make your your husband come running <laughs> while you're reading it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm really excited to read it. Um, you know, she she dished a few spoilers uh, while she was reading it, but I it sounds great. <laughs> um, I love the cover of that one, and I don't know if you saw um, Brandy's Little and Lion is getting a new cover too, which is done by the same artist, and it's awesome. Oh, really? The paperback version is awesome. Yeah, um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes because it's so good. Um, it's worth looking at. So. Oh, and it probably has the sticker on it too, doesn't it? It does. I hope so. yeah. Yay! Oh, that makes me happy. Should we uh, should we move on to our first sponsor and then dive in? I think we should. Yeah, let's do it. All right, our first sponsor is Fury Born by Claire Legrand. The stunningly original must-read fantasy of 2018 follows two fiercely independent young women, centuries apart, who both hold the power to save their world or doom it. When assassins ambush her best friend. Riley Dardenne risks everything to save him, exposing herself as one of a pair of prophesied queens, a queen of light and a queen of blood. 1,000 years later, Ilania Ferrokora, a bounty hunter for the Undying Empire, joins a rebel captain and discovers that the evil at the Empire's heart is more terrible than she imagined. As Riley and Ilana's stories intersect, shocking connections between them ultimately determine the fates of their world and of each other. Furyborn is the first in a thrilling high fantasy trilogy featuring a magic-wielding queen and a ruthless bounty hunter separated by centuries but connected by prophecy. It's written as young adult fantasy but effortlessly crosses over into the adult fantasy market. 
Um, and that is Furyborn by Claire Legrand. And I've literally seen it everywhere. It is um, all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm super curious how the story works, too. Like, because they, they talk about these characters being separated by like a thousand years, but somehow they still connect. I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, um, our first topic of discussion, we, I guess I was early on in the Hey YA podcast. I found this article that was like positive about YA. We talked about it for a while. So, um, when I found another positive about YA article, I sent a message to Erica. I was like, look, read this. Let's talk about it. Um, so that's what we're going to do. <laughs> and it's so funny. It's so funny that you say that because like, I, like we said in that episode, like you never know when there's like a good, wholesome, positive YA article <laughs> right? uh, because no one ever talks about it. Like I never see it getting linked on Twitter, people people digging into it. Uh, I only get them when you send them to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this one was like, by chance I found it. Um, it was, okay, so it was reprinted in the Smithsonian. Um I don't remember where it was originally published, but it's a piece called How Young Adult Fiction Blossom with Teen Culture in America. It's by Michael Cart. Michael Cart is uh, a former library director, and he is a past president of the Young Adult Library Services Association, which is um, the American Library Association's Young Adult Division. Um, he's written a number of books on YA, and so he's you know, kind of kind of aware of his stuff like he actually knows what he's talking about and uh which is step number one in refreshing positive YA article (laughs) (laughs) but uh it's a really great piece that sort of talks about how um YA fiction is a category blossomed as teen culture sort of blossomed so in the um years following world war ii when teenagers sort of became this group that more and more um, attention was being paid to both culturally and just consumer-driven um, products were, you know, pushed their way because they were having more money from having part-time jobs, from being out of the house, from having that freedom. Um, as, as that sort of developed, YA fiction also developed. I'm sorry, there's a garbage truck right outside my window. <laughs> it's like, really? You had to time it like that? Um <laughs> So that's why I'm a little distracted. Um, But back to the piece. So he sort of traces how young adult fiction really blossomed as teens and teen culture sort of blossomed um, and grew. The um, whole exploration really fascinates me because when we think about the growth of YA and teen culture, it makes perfect sense. So like think about two um, why we've seen so many teen movies in the last few decades, you know, why um, all these sort of cultural phenomena have been focused on teenagers. It's because they've traditionally, um, during this time period, had more money, had more freedom, can get out, can spend money, and they want things that are sort of directed towards them and their their interests. Um, the other reason I like this article is it's by a librarian, uh, or he talks about um, how it was a librarian who developed the actual label young adult and how that became the phrase that we use to discuss books featuring teenagers for teenagers. Um, the books being called young adult actually followed the librarians who changed their um, service focus to be called young adults. Um, yeah, super interesting. So it, as I was reading this and thinking about it, it made me again think about 
what the heck YA books means. Um, you know, we've talked about this a few times, and it it just makes me consider if there's a difference between teen and young adult now that we are sort of um, past those first few years, for even first few decades of understanding what teens are and understanding young culture, youth culture, and what sort of young adult fiction is. I'm wondering if it's maybe worth considering again, are these two different things? Do we have um, a sort of fiction that is young adult fiction? Think older, you know, reaching older teens, reaching younger adults versus teen fiction, which is very steeped in like what a 14 year old would pick up and, and identify as a book about a 14 year old. Um, I don't know. Just, it got me thinking about that a little bit. Um, a couple of good yeah, go ahead. I was go just going to say, you know, it's interesting. You were talking a little bit earlier about, like, the, the, the sort of film angle here. And we, when you think about, like, like a teen movie versus, like, what a young adult movie might be mm-hmm. like. Um, like, I was thinking about this a lot and how, like, you know, like, a movie like Lady Bird gets all these Oscar nominations and all this, you know, acclaim and everything. And when I watched it, I was like, is this... Is this for teenagers? It's about teenagers. I'm, you know, I, I sort of wrestled with trying to figure out where it might fit. Um, same thing with like a movie like, like Perks of Being a Wallflower. You know, like mm-hmm. yeah, it appeals to teenagers, but it also has all that that sort of crossover thing. Like I feel like you wouldn't put them in the same place with like Can't Hardly Wait. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, or uh, like Ten Things I Hate About You, or um, yeah, yeah. I I would say even Dirty Dancing. I think is a really great young adult film. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that's a really good, that's a good way to think about it. You know, like I think about Lady Bird, which I loved. I loved it so much. But um, part of what worked for me is I really connected with Lady Bird because we were the same age. Like we were mm-hmm. going through um, high school and everything at the same exact time period. So for me, it wasn't about like connecting with her as a teenager, but connecting with her as an adult, remembering my teenage years, which I think is where one of the distinctions in young adult versus adult fiction writing teens plays in. Um, You know, adult fiction certainly has teen characters in it, but uh, often um, it's told through like this lens of adult knowing, even if it doesn't give the adult voice, there's just something like more, I don't want to say worldly because that's not right, but um, more nostalgic, more just sort of empathetic of mm-hmm. the character in their youth versus like being there in that moment um, of being, you know, 15 and not having a clue how the world works. <laughs> um, a couple of interesting quotes from the, the piece to share. Um, Librarians first began calling teenagers young adults as early as the mid-1940s. In 1944, librarian Margaret Scoggin wrote a journal article, journal article introducing the term and arguing that the group consulted, that the group, cons, ugh, I, I can't say the word, um, arguing that the group constituted a new service population. Scrogan is remembered for her work in helping to establish the New York Public Library's landmark Nathan Strauss Branch for Children and Young People in 1940. The branch became a template for other libraries that established service for young adults in the 1940s. Thereafter, the two designations, teenager and young adult, were typically used interchangeably by librarians and educators. The practice of referring to young adult literature was formalized in 1957 when the American Library Association created its Young Adult Services Division, which focused librarians' attention on how to serve this new population. 
Um, and then one of the little interesting facts that came up was um, the uh, Young Adult Services Division has always done book lists for teenagers, so like best books for teenagers to read. But it wasn't until 1970, despite the books that came before, it wasn't until 1970 that an honest-to-goodness published for young adult with the label young adult book actually made the list. And that was um, Barbara Wurzba's Run Softly, Go Fast, about a teenage boy's love-hate relationship with his father. I've never heard of the book. Have you? Me either. No. <laughs> I'm like curious. I want to kind of track it down. Like what made that the first one? And, and yeah. does it still hold up? Because um, it sounds like it's fairly timeless um, in terms of themes. But uh, yeah, it's just it was a super fascinating article. Um, I think one worth reading for anybody who's interested in sort of the history of young adult literature, and for those who like me get obsessed with thinking about uh, books for teens versus books written for adults who love reading teen books. Which nothing wrong with that, but uh, to me they read differently. You know, they just yeah. they have a little bit of a different feel to them. So um, yeah, really, it was nice to read a positive article for once and sort of feel <laughs> feel like you know. The category of young adult and teenage lit was taken very seriously and and um, in a way that like cares deeply about it. Yeah. Shall we dig into our next sponsor? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, so I'm very excited about the sponsor. So, <laughs> <laughs> so our second sponsor is Chemistry Lessons. Uh, for 17-year-old Maya, the equation of happiness uh, is simple. A dream internship at MIT, plus two new science nerd friends, plus a perfect boyfriend, equals one amazing summer. Then, wit dumps her out of the blue. From Boston Globe advice columnist Meredith Goldstein, a dazzling, romantic, and emotionally resident YA debut, but a teen science whiz in Cambridge, Massachusetts, who tries to crack the chemical equation for lasting love and instead wrecks havoc on herself and the boys in her life. Uh, a YA heroine for today's readers, Maya's modern nerdy point of view will appear to readers who love to get inside the heads and hearts of quirky protagonists, as well as teachers, parents, and librarians looking to pop culture, looking to pop culture for girl scientist heroes in the age of STEM and girls who code. Uh, there's crossover potential. Meredith's writing will appeal to fans of YA authors like Jennifer E. Smith, Julie Murphy, Morgan Madison, and Jenny Han. Uh, and yes, I am so excited about this book. I love Meredith's column. I read it all the time. <laughs> uh, she's so funny and so insightful. Um, yes, I feel like I've been waiting for this forever. I think this book got announced like two years ago, and now it's finally here. And yes. I'm I'm psyched. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really good. Um, <clears throat> I was laughing when I was putting the agenda together for our show today that both sponsors uh, have the note that their books will appeal to adult audiences too. Um, like that was a very oh, specific yeah. note. Um, but I liked the the comps here: um, Jennifer E. Smith, Julie Murphy, Morgan Matz, and Jenny Han. Like all up my alley in terms of romance, and so this sounds like one that I would really enjoy as well. Yes, I, I can't wait. If the publicist is listening, please send me a copy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to uh, introduce this next topic? Yeah, so we want to talk a little bit about uh, teens in the outdoors. Um, because right now it is warm and beautiful in Michigan, though by the time you get this episode, it'll probably be snowing. Um, I just bought... <laughs> I just bought uh, patio furniture and, like, gardening supplies to make, like, an outdoor reading nook, and I'm just so excited about it. Um, so I thought it might be fun to, uh, you know, 
discuss uh, books in the outdoors. Um, obviously, Hatchet is the best outdoors YA novel ever written. It's Ugh. a heartwarming story about a teen and his axe. Um, that's what it's about, right? I, I'm not sure. Anyway. <laughs> Man, I had to suffer through that book so many times in school. <laughs> Sorry for those of you who love Hatchet. It is, it is not my favorite. Me, me either. What about you? What about you in the outdoors? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how I feel about Hatchet now, but uh, I, I consider myself an outdoor person insofar as like uh, I love being outside, but at the end of the day, I need an indoor shower and an indoor bed. Um, like I want to spend time outdoors and wander, and I'm totally fine getting dirty and like all that stuff. Um, but also, I don't want to stay that way. <laughs> like, <laughs> get me back in the house. Um, so I I really love these books set in the outdoors because um, they let me be in the outdoors a little bit more. And they really, they're great for, like, um, traveling without traveling, you know? Um, mm, yeah. So now you hear my cat purring. Today is going to be all about the distractions on the podcast. Sorry about that. <laughs> Um, this particular cat loves the outdoors too, even though she's not allowed to go out there. So, um, (laughs) uh, do you, well, you know what? I think, let's see. Do you want to start with your outdoor recs? Sure. Um, so yeah, I have a couple, uh, favorite outdoor YA novels. Um, one of which, uh, screams the outdoors when you look at the front cover. Um, and that is the distance between lost and found by Catherine Holmes. Um, it's funny, we're talking about our, you know, the little release day mention when when my publisher asked me, you know, what should the Girl in the Grove cover look like? Uh, this was one of the books I pointed to. I'm like, lots oh, of green. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and they kind of they did exactly what I wanted. Um, so yes, so in this book, um, we have a teen girl who's wrestling with rumors uh, about her past involving a boy in town. Um, and when she goes on a retreat in the mountains with a bunch of kids, uh, things quickly spiral out of control. Um, they end up lost in the wilderness. Uh, there's all sorts of toxic things going on. And it's one of those stories that, like, when I was a kid, and, and maybe even now, I would sort of romanticize, like, the idea of being lost in the wilderness, fending for yourself, banding together with your unlikely allies. But the reality of it is that it's horrible. Um, <laughs> and, that, like, it's not going to be like what I see on TV. Um and the stuff that goes on in this book is definitely less than ideal. It's like a stirring book full of nature, um, but also full of heartbreak. Um, I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, it might shatter the romantic vision you have of getting lost in the woods and trying to band together with people. Um, and that's okay. I still haven't read that one, and I keep meaning to because I keep hearing great things about it. Like, since it came out, I've been told to, to pick it up and just haven't yet. Um, so my first one is one of those situations where the cover is so deceptive of what the book is about, so ignore the cover. Um, And it's Wildlife by Fiona Wood. It's the first book, well, I shouldn't say that. It's part of a duology, and you can read the books as standalones, or you can read them in any order. Um, There's just some crossover characters um, that make them part of a duology. It's set during a semester at a wilderness education program, and it follows two girls, one named Sibbed, one named Lou, as they navigate life away from home, uh, the tricky and sometimes destructive friendships in their lives, and what it means to fit in. It's a super uh, sex-positive book, and one that deals 
much less with romantic love than it does with friendships and about what healthy friendships look like, what destructive friendships look like. Um, and it's an awesome book from Australia that made its way over to the U.S. Yeah, I love this one. Um, the cover makes it look like it's a romance, and it's really not. Um, it's much, much more about <laughs> friendships and not about cats purring into your microphone. Uh, <laughs> and that's Wildlife by Fiona Wood. The uh, second book in the duology is called Six, Six Impossible Things, and it, it's not set in the outdoors, but uh, has some crossover characters. If readers fall in love with these characters, they can follow them a little further. I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing. I hear the cat, like, <laughs> just this, like, low rumble. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. So my, oh, and I heard a little jingle. Um, so yeah, my next one uh, is another book about the outdoors, uh, When I'm Through With You by Stephanie Keene, who we've mentioned before. Um, this is about the great outdoors, right? So there's a camping trip. Teens are getting ready for some good old-fashioned fresh <laughs> air. And, oh, wait, there's murder. People, people get murdered. <laughs> Uh, but I love this book. It keeps you guessing the the entire time you're reading it. Um, you know, Stephanie's just fantastic at writing really dark, really exciting thrillers that just happen to have these teenagers in them. Um, like I don't know about you, Kelly, but I'm I'm like I'm dying for one of her movies to be adapt you know adapted into a movie. Like it, yes, it, how has it not happened yet? Um, I don't know because it would make such intense thrillers. Yes can't trust anybody um it's great uh i highly recommend checking this one out um maybe not when you're camping um maybe (laughs) maybe when you're inside uh it's 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 great (laughs) um my next one is valley girls by sarah nicole lemon it's about a girl my size the cat just keeps walking in front of the microphone i can't do anything about it um Apologies to listeners who are like, get over it. Um, My next book is Valley Girls by Sarah Nicole Lemon. Uh, It's about a girl named Rilla who's been sent to live with her sister in Yosemite National Park for the summer as uh, she needs sort of a cooling off period from her life at home in West Virginia. Uh, But, but Rilla being Rilla, she's caught partying in the park less than 24 hours into her stay and realizes that if she's there to clean up her life, then she needs to clean up her life. Um, so what, what she decides to do is she's going to learn to climb and her goal is to climb El Capitan, one of the hardest routes in Yosemite. So it's a book about climbing, about the outdoors, about getting down and dirty in nature and appreciating all that it has to offer. And it's also about this girl sort of navigating her way through a bunch of mistakes and a lot of trouble that she's gotten herself into back home and sort of trying to create this new self for her so that when she goes back home, she can continue to, I don't want to say live positively, but um, acclimate her old life to the new person that she is. Um, It was super great with the climbing stuff. Um, I used to have a bunch of friends in college who were mountaineers and like, uh, it's a culture. It's a very specific kind of culture and uh, the book nails it. So this one will be for those readers who love climbing, who love the outdoors, who love hiking, um, and never see it in fiction. This one is, like, not short on the details with nature and the outdoors, which is great. Um, probably what made the book so enjoyable. 
So that's, uh, yeah, Valley Girls by Sarah Nicole Lemon. Let's see. Okay, now I'm going to try to talk about one that doesn't involve tragedy and death in the outdoors. <laughs> um, so it's called I Am Still Alive by Kate Alice Marshall. Ah, no, this one is. <laughs> is just like that. Um, Okay, so this is the book I haven't quite read yet. Um, it's an arc that just arrived, and I was reading the back of it right before we got onto this, and it just sounds awesome, and I want to talk about it. Um, so it's about a teenager who is finally starting to connect with her survivalist father in his remote cabin uh, when it burns down, and he dies, and she's left to fend for herself uh, in the wilderness. Um, she kind of knows who the father's killer is, so she's out to get revenge, but she's going to have to survive uh, the Wilderness first. Um, and yes, I am just... I love books about... Um, I mean, I, everyone knows I like books about plagues and stuff, but I also like books about uh, survivalists and that whole... That Me whole too. ...culture. Yeah. Um, like Brian Bliss's um, first book is, is a great example mm-hmm. of that. Uh, so when, as soon as I saw, like, Survivalist Father Remote Cabin on the back of this book, I was like, oh yes, uh, I am going to need to read this. Uh, so this one's on the top of my reading list uh, very soon, um, and that is "I Am Still Alive" by Kate Alice Marshall. I need to read that. That sounds so up my alley. Yeah, uh, and it and it shifts back and forth. Like I flip through it, and it's like a shifting POV from the the timeline, and ah, such a sucker for it. Yeah, same, same. Oh man, uh, my next one is a little bit different than what you might expect from an outside or outdoors novel. It's called The Island by Livia Levis, and it follows a girl named Frances who's done something very bad. Um, So bad that she's being sent to an island near Indonesia as part of her sort of uh, sentence for what she's done. It's a work camp sort of situation where she'll get some valuable life skills and lessons while avoiding jail time for the crime she committed. Um, Great premise, right? Uh, except, except on the flight, the entire team skills crew ends up in a terrible accident and Frances is the lone survivor and she finds herself alone on an island. So it's up to, up to her to figure out how to survive and how to get out. Um, it's a super realistic survival story with grit and teeth and bones. It's sharp and it's jutting. Um, it's a page turner without being too exhausting of a page turner. Um, Like you get enough details to really sort of sink into it. Um, Much of the survival um, is sort of Frances working through what she did at home and sort of what the crime was. And um, really, I... (laughs) Uh, she has the opportunity to take stock on her life in a way she maybe would not have been able to had the uh, original camping plan <laughs> happened. Um, <laughs> and it turns out, though, she is not alone on that island. Uh, it takes a while to find that out, but um, it was fabulous. I love this one. I read it, I read it on a flight somewhere. I can't even remember where, but it was like start to finish flight. I had to finish the book because it was so good. Um, and it's an import from the UK, I believe, but it's easily available in the US. And it's uh, The Island by Olivia Levis. Oh, man, I'll have to look that one up. What else do you have? I, I am out of Rex right here. <laughs> um, I was just going to end with saying Lumberjanes, either the comic yes! or the books. Because um, it's about five awesome girls who spend a summer at Lumberjane Scout Camp and defeating everything from yetis to wolves to falcons and more. Um, Holy cats! As- yeah, exactly, exactly. I uh, I read the first bind up, so the trade um, issue, and enjoyed it a lot. And 
um, I need to go back and read more. And I also need to read the novels that have been coming out, um, who've, which have been written by a number of authors. Marco Tamaki is one I know off the top of my head, but uh, there's been a few who have who have taken up the the mantle to write those. So I think it's really cool and they're fun. And, um, you know, just five super different girls at this outdoor scout camp. Yeah, I just got sent the novels by Marky, the um, the first and the second one, and they look they look so cute. I can't wait to read yeah. them. And I just see that them having so much appeal to so many different types of readers, and the fact that they're they have both a graphic novel and novel component is is brilliant. You know, uh, we've talked about that before, but yeah, I think it's a, just smart to reach all kinds of different readers and also offer your like diehard readers so many different options to continue the story and get to know the characters even better. So that would be it for my Rex. Um, should we turn to the next final topic of the show? Um, so we wanted to revisit a topic that we got into in the last episode, episode 17 on Asian American Pacific Islander heritage month. We wanted to offer up even more book recs. Um, yes, part two. Yeah, because we got some great feedback on that. We're like, we could do more, uh, so we're going to. <laughs> uh, do you want to? Do you want to dive in? Yeah, sure. I want to start with uh, a thousand beginnings and endings. Um, it's an anthology edited by Ellen O and Elsie Chapman that isn't quite here yet, but will be here in. Oh, geez, it's like what, like three weeks? It's coming out really yeah, soon. Yeah, super soon. I'm like trying to find the date on the back of the arc. Oh, well, it is coming out very soon. Um, it's a collection of Asian myths and legends. Um, features some serious stars like Aisha Saeed, who we talked about before, um, Roshni Chosky, um, and a short story debut by a book riot favorite and dear friend, Preeti Cheever. Um, yes. <laughs> there are so many people in here Cindy Pond, Alyssa Wong. Um, oh, good. Uh, Melissa De La Cruz. It looks amazing. Um, and it'll be out, uh, yeah, in like in like three weeks. So by the time you listen to this podcast, it'll probably be out in like a week. Yeah, I've I've had the arc sitting on my shelf. I just haven't gotten to it yet, but I want to. Um, it looks fabulous. Uh, my first one is "You Bring the Distant Near" by Metali Perkins, and really any Metali Perkins book. But I'm going to talk about this one specifically because um, it was long listed for the National Book Award last year. It's an intergenerational novel about five girls as they sort of navigate their Indian heritage, American culture, love, romance, friendship, and family relationships. That sounds like a heck of a lot. Um, But the book does it, and it does it really well. As Each of the five um, girls who have a voice in this story are distinct from one another, and yet each of their stories develops the other stories um, to sort of give us an insight into how they develop their passions and their interests and um, how those things tie them back through the generations of their family. Um, It's just a beautiful literary novel um, that I hope more people read. I think it got a good, a good splash when it hit the national book award list, but uh, certainly deserves more readers. And um, Mitali has a long backlist of both YA and middle grade that, Many are set in India, many are set in America with uh, Indian American main characters. So um, that is You Bring the Distant Near by Matali Perkins. Yeah, and she does have a giant backlist. I sort of like rediscovered her after the uh, long list hit. Um, like I decided, I was like, oh, let me go back and see what's here. And there's just, there's just so mm-hmm. much. 
Um, so yeah, go treat go treat yourself. Um, so let's see, me, I have a... Oh, Born Confused by Tanusia Des... Uh, oh shoot, how do I pronounce her last name? Hydea, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. Um, so this book recently celebrated its 15-year anniversary, which like blew my mind. Yeah, that's hard to believe. Um, right? Oh my goodness. Um, so it's about an Indian-American girl named Dimple, who is uh, stuck between two worlds. You know, she's not feeling like she's quite Indian enough, uh, and she's not feeling like she's quite American enough. Um, there's this romance with this boy who, you know, is just simply not appropriate, but maybe that's why he's so interesting <laughs> and cute. Um, it's a lot of fun. It, it's, you know, it's about the experience of being torn between two cultures, um, which I like a lot. You know, you see that in books like, uh, you know, American Panda, which I really adored, and um, Mirror in the Sky, uh, which was one of my favorite books from, uh, not last year, but the year year before. Um so yeah, Tour Between Two Cultures, uh, really funny and, and, and lovely. And then a sequel came out, um, Bombay Blues, which came out 10 years later, which is amazing. Um, so yes, I would uh, I would check this one out if you're uh, looking for these sort of books on your list. Uh, Born Confused. So 15, I... Uh, 15 years, Kelly. Oh my I know. God. <laughs> I know. I... And I, I'm ashamed to admit I haven't read it yet. Like, I, I know exactly what the cover looks like. I know exactly what it's about. I feel like I've, you know, book talked the, the book a number of times, but I've never read it myself. Um, and I need to. I need to. And I, I want to read the, the follow-up, too, because I love, I love when a story is revisited, you know, that many years later. It's like, okay, how, how different is it? Like, what angle does it take? So I think this summer maybe that's, that's one of my reading plans. Yay! Uh, so my next one is a graphic novel, and it's called Tina's Mouth, an Existential Comic Diary by Keshni Kashup, and it's illustrated by Mari Araki. Uh, it's perfect for fans of Persepolis or American-born Indian, American-born Chinese, excuse me. Um, it follows Tina, an Indian-American girl who's in 10th grade, and she's just gotten into a fight with her best friend, Alex. Their friendship is in tatters, and Tina isn't quite sure how to move on, um, so it's made harder because Alex is so easily slipped into the role of hanging out with the popular girls. So Tina's sort of left behind. Um, and then there's Neil, the boy that Tina has a fierce crush on, but with whom she doesn't think she has a chance. Um, over the course of the story, which is set up as a project for Tina's class on existentialism, Tina sort of uh, figures out who she is, what she likes to do, and who her true friends are. Um, just a wonderful graphic novel. It's an epistolary um, style, and um, it's one I, I I read so long ago. I read it like when it came out, so I guess not that long ago. But uh, it was one that, like I said, I read cover to cover in no time. Um, just really enjoyable, and that is Tina's Mouth. Nice. Um, so I'm going to risk YA jail again by bringing up a middle grade book. I'm sorry. Uh, but it's called The Serpent's Secrets uh, by Sanita Descupta. Um, and this book, oh my God, is so charming. It's a middle grade book about an Indian girl who discovers she's a demon slayer. She's she's what? actually a pr- Yeah, she's actually a princess. Uh, it's set in New Jersey and makes fun of the fact that it's set in New Jersey fairly often. <laughs> Um, and you will inhale it in a day. It is so funny. And, like, I love it when a book is able to, um, like, I feel like it's hard to be funny in, in fantasy and, and sci-fi books, you know? Because, like, it's, it just is, you know? There, there's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a balance that I feel like is really hard to tread. And this one is just, 
It's hilarious. It's exciting. Um, it's like everything I want when it comes to, you know, not just a good middle grade book, but really any book. Um, and it's it's the start of a series. So uh, please pick it up and support it so we get many more of them because it is it is it is a riot and so much fun. Yeah, that sounds like it's a blast. I'll allow it uh, in the Yay. YA, you know, <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Uh, my next one is uh, Chasing Shadows by Swati Avasti, um, illustrated by Craig Phillips, I believe. It's an intense novel that's told in three voices, including one as a graphic novel style. And it's about three friends who um, are hanging out, doing their thing, and their lives are disrupted by sudden death and the desire to seek revenge for the person who was killed. Um, so it's intense. And... What stood out to me as I read it is it's at heart really about friendship and about what happens when you're in a position you can't be there for a person in the way that you once were for them. So do you continue to sort of give them what they want when you are depleting yourself in that relationship or do you step away? And um, how do you sort of navigate what's best for you and what's best for them? It's a really... um, fascinating look to at just the trauma that happens after an accident and sort of picking up the pieces after that um just it's a really smart book and I thought that the way that the graphic novel elements were used was really brilliant it's a really cool um book to read just because it's set up so differently and um yeah that one is Chasing Shadows by Swati Avasti Oh my goodness. And what a hard thing to talk about. Like, you know, like stepping away from a friendship and, and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. Like, like as a kid, that's like, that's like a world ending thing as opposed yeah. to like as adults where you're like, eh, I'll delete you from Facebook forever. You know? Like, yeah, it's, exactly. <laughs> it's such a different, uh, such a different thing. Yeah. I'll have to check that out and, you know, relieve some, relive, relive some, uh, <laughs> childhood nightmares. Uh, let's see. Uh, for my last one, I, I you actually mentioned it when you were talking about another book is American Born Chinese. Um, I can't believe I didn't bring this book up the first time we talked about these titles because um, it's such a favorite of mine. Um, it's one of First Second's many gorgeous graphic novel offerings for adults. Um, it's a novel that tells three stories that that intersect in a really clever way that I will not ruin um, about the Monkey King, uh, a Chinese kid who has a hard time fitting in, uh, and a white kid who is having a hard time with his uh, Chinese cousin who is just this sort of like walking stereotype um, that he's like sort of really embarrassed by. Um, and the stories all blend together and just, well, I can't tell you, in a, in a lovely way. Uh, and it's just this gorgeous graphic novel. Is that is that his first graphic novel? I believe it might be. Yeah, I wasn't sure he, if it was his debut or not, but, you know, I know it is the first book I read from him. The uh, last one I will talk about is one that I haven't read, but is sitting on my pile to read. So I feel like that's good justification for talking about yeah. it. It's um, A Land of Permanent Goodbyes by Atia Abawi. In mm-hmm. a country, I'm, I'm just going to read the description. I should have said that. Um, in a country ripped apart by war, Tarek lives with his big and loving family until the bombs strike. His city is in ruins, his life is destroyed, and those who have survived are left to figure out their uncertain future. In the wake of destruction, he's threatened by Daesh fighters and witnesses a public beheading. Tariq's family knows that to continue to stay alive, they must leave. As they travel as refugees from Syria to Turkey to Greece, facing danger at every turn, 
Tariq must find the resilience and courage to complete his harrowing journey. Um, I have not read a refugee novel set here um, in a while. I read one a couple of years back, but um, the author, Abawi, is a reporter who lives, I believe she's in Jerusalem now, but she was in Syria for a number of years and um, <clears throat> has reported on the refugee crisis there. So I'm really fascinated to pick it up and read it because her insight has to be um, just something you can't get not having yeah. been there at all. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it though. I suspect it won't be like one of those enjoyable, happy, you know, lighthearted mm. reads at all. Yeah, so, probably not. No, but looks good and certainly, um, set in the right place. So, um, yeah. And the other one I had listed, did I have another one listed? Oh, of course I did. It was when Dimple met Rishi by Sandy. And I don't think I need to talk too deeply about it because we've talked about this one a lot, but it's a wonderful rom-com following a girl who has all of her life planned out for the future and the boy who knows that she is the girl he needs to marry and she's not into it. Um, So two two super well-developed, engaging characters set during a summer program for aspiring web designers. Um, I loved it. I loved every minute of that book. It was just such a nice, like, fun read to uh, pick up and her new one coming out uh, from Twinkle with Love is also a lot of fun. Very different, but a lot of fun. And it'll be out, it'll be out the week after this podcast, I think. Comes yeah. out on the like 22nd, yeah. Yeah. So you can pick them both up the same Tuesday and, you know, inhale them <laughs> in one in one sitting. So um, I think that's it for our show this week. Yeah. Uh, Lots of good think, recommendations. Yeah. Like, List of them. Big old list of book tracks <laughs> to, to get through before the next show. Uh, <laughs> so thank you for tuning in this week. If you've got any feedback about the show, leave it on Apple Podcasts. It tells us how we're doing and it helps other people find us. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Twitter and Instagram as Verona Kelly Mars. And you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. We'll talk to you again in two weeks. Bye.